the figure. Look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant, Luke Bruce. Gee, it's a good kick. It is a great kick. It's one for the ages. O'Brien, some candy, and then a goal. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. Well, Hawks fans, it's the eve of the big decider and we thought it was about time we blew the dust off the podcast and got back to work. After all, there's plenty to discuss with a bunch of arrivals and some departures concerning the Hawthorne Footy Club as we discuss all things off-season. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and Tiz, we've had a big news item today in the appointment of another assistant coach. Yeah, a bit of a seismic shift. Robert Harvey has joined Hawthorne. Oh, I appreciate the earthquake pun. He got it in early. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Straight off the bat, uh, Robert Harvey, AFL great, exceptional midfielder. Pressure's on our midfield, isn't it? Really, if they've got all these, they've got all these acolytes back at the club, and uh, if they can't get it done, uh, questions questions must be asked. I, I, I mean, you've laid it out perfectly. Like you've summed it up. Potentially, the midfield is going to be working with Sam Mitchell, a Brownlow medalist. Robert Harvey, a dual Brownlow medalist. <laughs> And obviously, you know, Sammy's got his four premierships. You got Andy Collins there as well. David Hale has come back with his few premierships. <laughs> it's just outrageous the amount of expectation. But this is good, mate. I like this. Look, um, Sammy's built his team around him now. And uh, Robert Harvey comes across from Collingwood. He's got a lot of experience. Um, he was the his head coach there for a little while. Well, well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Obviously, in recent times, he's been the the you know caretaker senior coach. But I didn't realize he'd spent this long at the club. Uh, Ten seasons with Collingwood. I didn't realize it'd quite been that long. And and that includes five finals campaigns. It's the twenty eighteen grand final. And obviously, you know, you've got Harvey's credentials as a, as a player. He's been involved in the system a long, long time. And this was this was huge. I mean, obviously, we knew. Uh, with Craig McRae, and we'll get to him soon, with Craig McRae stepping into the senior coaching role of Collingwood, you thought, okay, well, what's that going to do with Harvey? Where, where, What's happening with his future? Now, Tiz, I didn't for one second think he'd end up at Hawthorne. I didn't see that coming. No, I, I didn't see it coming either, but it's great to have someone with a totally different perspective come to the club. Um, Magpies, they're well known for their... For their midfield, their midfield is always their best asset for the last ten years. Correct. So, uh, if he can bring that kind of, um, I, I guess they've, they haven't really excelled with wingmen, and uh, I wonder how one of our wingmen feels about him coming. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's that's the swings and roundabouts of footy, and and if he can make our midfield bat as deep as Collingwood's has, and just how they manage to rotate them through the midfield. I, I very much look forward to that because I feel that has been a problem for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that's quite easily remedied um, just with a change of mindset in how you want your midfield to play out. It's exciting. It's you know part of this new era that's being constructed, this expertise and experience that carries over from Collingwood to our club. Uh, like I said, didn't see Harvey being appointed as part of our assistant coaching panel. The guy that you know we did expect was David Hale. It was just a matter of, are Hawthorne going to deal? Are they going to pry him from the West? And they have done. David Hale returning to the brown and gold. And I think he carries with him, if I read this, I think I'm recalling this correctly, 
six years of experience at Frio. Yeah, that'd be right. Yep. Straight out of the Hawthorne Colours, off to Frio, back to Hawthorne. Familiar old story, isn't it? <laughs> off to the West. Anyway, um, gee, I tell you what, there's an article in the AFL record, the grand final record this week. Just talks about the impact of Sammy Mitchell in in the prelim for the West Coast Eagles um, when they were down at three-quarter time in, uh, what year did they win, 2018? Yes, that's correct. I mean, I think it's there's a lot written by Ashley Brown in it, but uh, Hawthorne's quite relevant in the grand final record. I love it. <laughs> there's a few, um, you know, I, I was I was looking at mainly the game this weekend and seeing who had who would have the upper hand and all that kind of stuff, but there's some wonderful stats in there. Because you got to ask... How did Hawthorne in the last two months compete so well with the grand finalists? We beat the Dogs convincingly, handsomely, uh, and we drew with Melbourne. Now, both of those sides probably underperformed, but still we managed it. And when you look across all the main team stats, it seems to be contested possession is where Hawthorne really falls down. For the main part, apart from centre clearances, we were second from bottom, with only Carlton below us, which, how does that happen? But anyway, but our stoppage clearances, you know, we're eighth, Melbourne's seventh. There's so much potential in this Hawthorne lineup. We're just middling. And uh, when you look at where the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne are so good, and even Sydney and the, uh, the Richmond that are falling away, it's the score from opposition turnovers. And Clarko knew that that was massive. And Sammy knows that that's massive. We've seen how, how well they do that at Box Hill. So, yeah, I, I was reading through this, and there's some I th- suckers is in here speaking about being the sub. That was fantastic, just coming on, kicking that goal, and also um, the Frio goal that he got the week before. And uh, speaking of the Frio goal, not, not, to, not to forget Jure's effort, so I'll be championing for him on Saturday to get another premiership. That'll be his third. Yeah, it'd be nice for Jure to, to score another one. Um, just looking at these coaching appointments, I mean, Adrian Hickmott, we already talked about on our previous podcast. Uh, we mentioned Harvey, we mentioned Hale. Uh, Andy Collins, elevated to head of development. Uh, the recently re-signed Chris Newman. And it's all being led by the man that we mentioned before, this all-new lineup led by senior coach Sam Mitchell. Now... <laughs> It has been said, we've, we've been hearing things through the grapevine, that he's so attack-focused, Sam Mitchell. He's building this side around what he can do in terms of reinventing, rejuvenating our offensive game. And Chris Newman being re-signed as defensive coach, I think only exemplifies that in the way that it's almost Hawthorne going, okay, we've got that. We can take that to the bank. Lock that in. Our our defensive structures, our defensive personnel, we reckon we've got that under control. Thanks, Clarko. You know, Clarko has built that for us. And uh, I'm excited to see what the rest of these guys do. You know, we've got our very own Avengers. This super team, Hickmott, Hale, Collins. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. Harvey. But the other thing is, they're all hungry. I mean, is there anyone in AFL hungrier than Harvey for a premiership? (laughs) Fair enough, yeah. Crawford and Harvey would just go at each other, and they loved it. Like it was just one of the great rivalries in in footy for for Hawthorne fans at the time was just to watch Crawford go up against Harvey, and finally Crawford got a got a Brownlow over him. He also got a premiership over him. 
well, in the end, and in the fi- in both their final years. So, but yeah, but earlier on it was um, which one is the is the better player? Because uh, Crawford had the blonde hair going for him, of course, which we saw does have its effect in the Brownlow voting. Famously, that separates them. Yeah. <laughs> well, that trend kind of died off when Wo Woden got one, and then uh, anyway. Uh, speaking of Collingwood. Uh... Craig McRae appointed the senior coach and Brendan Bolton has followed him over there, appointed their director of coaching. So so those are the two guys that we lose. And uh, McRae, only a year with Hawthorne, um, but I think it was a productive year. I think he did a lot with the forward line. It looked a lot a lot different. It looks like there was more potential that was unlocked. Yeah, Dylan Moore had a lot to say about Craig McRae. Hmm. Credits him with a lot of his improvement. We heard from one of our listeners, Ethan. Uh, if you're Sam Mitchell and Rob McCartney, which assistant coaches do you assign to what areas and why? For example, Newman is staying with the defenders. Collins is in uh, the development. Uh, why Why have we got Hale? Are we presuming that he's going to work with the forwards, do you reckon? I'm not sure. Is that decided yet? I know Hickmock can do either end of the park. So I, I like that they've all got grounding in most areas. I know they each get a line, but, um, you know, they're all pretty expert at most areas that, of the game. And obviously you'd say that Harvey would be assigned to the midfield. That seems to be the no-brainer of the new acquisitions. Who's taking Box Hill yet? Because it's got to be one of those, doesn't it? Or is it going to be a, a further appointment? Because they announced it as if the team was set now. Yeah, that, that was the messaging around it, wasn't it? That was the, the comms coming out from the club that this is it. This is the team now. This is our lineup. Uh, but we still do have that vacancy. So I do wonder who's going to take it. Uh, Andy Otten, does he, uh, does he figure into the piece? Is he going to take that role? Or I guess we'll find out. But the club has also in their comms been delightfully vague <laughs> and very unhelpful about just who's taking what line. So... You know, Ethan points out, uh, it makes a very good point. It is purely speculative, but I reckon Hale will take the forwards, Harvey midfield. But yeah, as you say, Tiz, they're a capable bunch. They've got some good resumes here. Yeah, so in terms of uh, what we saw last week with the Peter Crimmins, that means only one of the Peter Crimmins voting panel remains. Yes, you pointed that out, I think in a DM. (laughs) I don't think we ended up tweeting that. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Sam Mitchell had no say. Obviously, you know, Clarko's gone and... Bolts and McRae. Interesting. And only Chris Newman. How do we feel... Jacob wants to know, Jacob, one of our listeners, how do you feel about the new look coaching group? Personally, I'm really excited about the fresh start and the breadth of personalities and new ideas coming into the club. Uh, Tiz, if you're going to enter a new era, do it properly. Lean into it. Yeah, exactly. You've got to take risks at the beginning. Uh, that's when they pay off the most. I'm excited. I didn't, you know, it's the stuff you expect uh, that comes through, like David Hale. I think he'd be great get bringing back to the club. He knows the Hawthorne ethos. He understands how not to do it from his time at North Melbourne. Hickmott has had sustained success at West Coast. Obviously, Sam Mitchell's identified him as a great talent and brought him over. You've got Chris Newman, who carries through the... Uh, the work of Clarko in the back line. It's a, it's a nice mix. Um, what it'll need is always, you know, they're, they're going to have to put out their worst ideas as well as their best because that's the only way they're going to make Look, make no mistake. It's it's There's going to be a teething period. Like, it doesn't all just come together magically and everything's great all of a sudden. We still are 
where where we are as a club. Well, I mean, Sammy Sammy will have his ideas about how they want to play, and then everyone has a has an opinion on Sam's ideas. Exactly right. Or has an opinion on how best to get to Sam's goal, which is probably more likely. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Now I've chatted a bit about the uh, the coaching acquisitions. What about the re-signings? There's been a fair bit going on. In our little hiatus, uh, Lockie Bramble and Dylan Moore signing on with the Hawks to the end of 2023. We have it on good authority too that Callow, Howe, Morris and Nash are locks for next season to be announced. Obviously, that hasn't been made official just yet. Uh, Tiz, not as certain on McGuinness. Haven't heard really anything about him. Uh, maybe if we read between the lines of stuff that Sam said, it does seem likely that he has another contract, but are you familiar with anything surrounding Finn? I think they've got enough room to move on the list at the moment. I think Finn gets another season to show himself. You know, we don't bat that deep in the midfield, so Finn may be required. And as per Tom Morris, we uh, might be waiting a while yet for news on these two other blokes, uh, Hanrahan and O'Brien. Hawks might just wait to see how the trade period plays out and, you know, see what shakes out then. Well, they've got to see what offers they receive. I think Hanrahan will receive offers. Uh, Tim O'Brien may receive offers. You know, he's got a, a hell of a lot of experience, Timmy. And, and it's the versatility that holds him in good stead. He, you know, he'll have suitors because other te- other clubs will see him as well. He could be a forward, could be a defender. Clubs will want a swingman and an experienced swingman, as you point out. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. We've kept him in the top 10 player payments for a reason, so... If the if we uh, you know maximise any compensation we might receive, we heard from one of our listeners, Tom. If we can only keep one of Tim O'Brien or Ollie Hanrahan, who are we keeping? The younger one. <laughs> I think we have a specific kind of depth to cover the loss of Tim O'Brien. A small forward like Hanrahan, who is young, as you point out, who's still got a lot of footy ahead of him. Uh, I'm more inclined to go with Ollie Hanrahan at this point. And also, it's a question of upside. Who has the higher upside? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we've had about eight years of Timmy. And mind you, you know, he, he's hitting his stride. He's playing really... He played a really good season. And he was absolutely robbed. Mark of the year. But look, he has to take his opportunity now. Because if he gets injured, Hawthorne will be letting him go. Correct. If he can get a two-year deal somewhere else. If Hawthorne's holding out, you know... He's got to do what's best for him, and I respect that. And uh, he's been a good servant of the club, done his best. He hasn't had the support he's needed a few times. And uh, we've hung on him a lot, but he's starting to show promise. And if he does walk out now, I'd be disappointed because we've put that much effort into him. But uh, I, I would understand. I'm with you on that one. As it happens, O'Brien played a pretty significant role in almost all of our wins this year. If you look back, you're like, oh yeah, Tim O'Brien really hit his straps. And it would be unfortunate timing to lose him. But as you say, you understand why it might happen. Well, your play to him would be, you know, you're going to have it easier as as all these young players get better. In two years' time, we can put you anywhere on the park. You won't get the best defender. You mightn't even get the second best defender if you're up forward. Uh, if we put you down back, you won't have a role against the gorilla. You know, life's going to get easier from here, Timmy. Now, <laughs> is that going to happen if you go to Adelaide, mate? Now, that kind of stuff. It's a pretty good sales pitch. I'll give you that. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I don't know what it is. 
I'm feeling a little bit positive, optimistic. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> it's the off-season, mate. It's a lot easier when there's no games decided for Hawthorne. When you're winning and losing, it can really seesaw quite uh, quite emphatically, but uh, it's, it's a lot easier in the off-season to feel good about your club where there's moving and shaking, and uh, we should continue on that theme and look at the delistings. Uh, there's been five of them. Keegan Brooksby, James Cousins, Damon Greaves, Michael Hartley and Harrison Pepper. Let's run through them and uh, just say a bit about each of them. Keegan Brooksby, the grey bombshell of uh, Box Hill. Um, never really had a crack at uh, AFL level. And uh, with Reeves going as good as he has, he's not going to get another look. So The perfectly serviceable silver fox of the Box Hill outfit is uh, Keegan Brooksby. There's no real shock, is there? As Tom York of Radiohead said... No alarms and no surprises. Uh, Keegan Brooksby, thank you for your service. James Cousins, he, he showed a fair bit over his time. Never really showed enough. And I hope that he makes it to another AFL list. But uh, I do see that his opportunities at Hawthorne have di- dried up. And they're, looking, they're overlooking him. He managed 10 senior games in 2021. And it just wasn't enough. Uh, you know, he had John Newcomb come into the lineup and... Connor Nash started, he, he just burst out from nowhere as a potential midfield option to Connor Nash. And when stuff like that happens, it makes it tremendously difficult for a guy who was already on the fringes. Your Cousins was going to find it tough to break into this side if he remained with Hawthorne. I understand this decision. Cousins is one of those players who was fairly good at everything, uh, but didn't dominate in any one role. Jack of trades, master of none. Yeah, that's what happens to a lot of players. Uh, look really good at VFL level, sometimes have a cracking game. But week in, week out, they just can't can't get it done. On that point, I did think he was good, Cousins. I did think he was good, but it just it wasn't enough. I, I can understand why people are a bit sore about his uh, delisting. Because, um, yeah, he, he did show some promise. But, you know, Hawthorne made the call to move on. I understand it. And the next guy, people were sore on Damon Greaves being let go as well. Uh, they saw a lot of potential in Damon Greaves. Uh, yeah, they did, but everyone else looking at his spot has more potential and uh, it's a spot in the lineup where you're more likely to start younger players and uh, he's just not going to hold that out against them. Uh, it's always a criticism that he'd never got enough of the pill, was never um, taking the hardest option coming out of defence, making it difficult for the opposition and um, there were a couple of games this year where he looked underprepared and that was Possibly because there was no VFL, but it just didn't augur well, and it's not really a surprise that he comes off the list. His appearances in 2020, uh, very promising indeed. Um, He sort of fluffed his lines in 2021. If we want to put that down to the sorts of things you're talking about, that's fine too, but I think he'd be disappointed that he didn't take his opportunities. Um, And and you have to with this Hawthorne backline. There's just there's too much talent, too many people vying for positions down there that if you don't if you don't grab that brass ring, you're not gonna survive. You're not gonna be on the list. I mean he was competing with Burgoyne as well, and Burgoyne comes off the list and still they say to him, Yeah, nah. But but that just speaks to the kind of depth that we have there. We I feel we can cover for Greaves. Perhaps some listeners will disagree with that, but I think we can handily cover for the absence of, of Damon Greaves at the moment and I think Hawthorne made the, a similar call about the next guy we're going to talk about, Michael Hartley, who I really liked. Really liked the way he went about it. I thought he was fantastic for Box Hill as well. But it just he just gets squeezed out. That's just how it is. Yeah, lively, characterful. 
enjoyable to watch. I thought Sam used him really, really well at Box Hill, so it's just not something they want to entertain going forward. And this is part of the this is part of the reset of the list. You can't you can't have these these guys that are sort of top up players that are just hanging back to you know if if you're in a situation where you're in finals and you need someone to come in and just play a role, these guys can be good. But that's not where we are. So they can't sit on the list. They're just clogging it. That's not where the list is at. And the last guy here, Harrison Pepper. He's unlucky. All the COVID delistings are unlucky. And uh, as an academy player, we gave him a crack. He, he seems a lovely bloke. He never really got going. You know, he had some fine moments down back. They tried him up forward at Box Hill for, for patches this year. And, you know, he had moments here and there, but just a player that didn't really take the ball by the horns in the end. Yeah, and co- concentration levels were a problem. You wouldn't say he ever had that performance at that level that was just... You know how some players, they just show up and you just simply can't ignore them anymore? Like Matt Walker? I mean, he did have those games. He was never rewarded for it, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but I'm talking, uh, this year at least, we're looking at guys like Emerson Jecker, whose yeah. form in VFL didn't necessarily translate perfectly to senior level. But I tell you what, he, he absolutely had performances for Box Hill where it was like, we have to play this bloke. It's madness not to give him a run. Harrison Pepper didn't ever have that. And I thought they did well to reward most Fox Hill fellas this year. Well, it's our most number of debutants in, in years. So I think we've done okay there. And that's that's appropriate for where the club's at. But you've got to say they weren't unearned. No, were... correct. Yeah, they weren't just throwing them out willy-nilly. They were earned by the players, and that's good to see. Uh, we better talk about the Peter Crimmins. That happened last week. Yeah, shock. Tommy got a third. Couldn't believe it. The least surprising thing ever. Just the result was a foregone conclusion. But... I guess if there was anything that was a bit unexpected was just how much he won it by. I mean, he polled with 161 votes and the next best, the the runner-up, and a very worthy runner-up, mind you, Blake Hardwick, 126. Hardwick didn't have a very good start to the year. He finished well, but his his beginning wasn't good. I was reminded of how good Jager was in a few games, which I seem to forget his efforts a lot of the time. I, I was probably guilty of thinking Jager had a better first half of the season or maybe even first quarter of the season. Then I stopped noticing him quite as much. But, you know, it, it was noticed by the, the people that mattered most to the club and as the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, he, he polled third in the end with 121 votes. So very much breathing down Blake Hardwick's neck there. To round out the top five, we had Dylan Moore sitting at number four. Now that's incredible mm-hmm. to go from teetering on being delisted to fourth and the best and fairest. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And what a player we've got now. I mean, tis the season for uh, inspiring stories <laughs> as we lead up to the grand final. And uh, that's one that can't be overlooked as far as Hawthorne's concerned. That is an inspiring story. This is a guy that was out the door. Uh, and he said, oh, I've got this opportunity now. I'm going to make the most of it. He, he, you know, I think he said something to the effect of, I'm going to play each game like it's my last. Now that I've got this... Got this chance. I'm going to play like each game is my last. And I think it's a testament to the fact that he did. Fourth placing the PCM. And I love that he beat Wingard by a point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we knew Wingard would feature. We knew he'd be high up on the list. But uh, Dylan Moore, besting him by one vote. There you go. That's a feather in his cap. He'd like that. Pretty sure Chad would be a bit annoyed. Someone's our best small forward, Chad. (laughs) Oh, that's unfair. (laughs) Best first-year player, Jacob Kaczynski, which you 
correctly predicted most promising player, Chankwath Jaff. Did you get that one? I got that one too, yes. Yeah, most consistent player. Now, this is the one you had Sicily for, wasn't it? No, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, most consistent. Oh, I'm going off memory. I think I said... No, I said Scrimshaw for most consistent. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was going to say Hardwick. I think you t- you said Hardwick, I think. I did. And that's a fine choice. Like, you, you, you know, that's a reasonable... That's not completely ridiculous. Hardwick would have been a good recipient of that award. Uh, yeah, Sam Frost in the end. I mean, he was bloody consistent. And best clubman. This was the one you had James Sicily for. This was the one. I Well, I knew that Sicily, in his, in his absence from his on-field role, had done a lot of off-field stuff and... You know, had, had sort of taken the reins of being effective in a coaching capacity. He'd been a mentor for some of the backmen. I thought, here's a bit of a dark horse that could win this. But no, uh, it was the captain in the end. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you get that so wrong, it does feel a bit silly. <laughs> it was an entertaining evening, though, I thought. They did that quite well. The Peter Cribbins over... Whatever that was, Zoom or whatever. No, it was just a broadcast, wasn't it? So that was fun. I just wanted to mention also that, um, you know, obviously we had the Brownlow uh, last few days and Tom Mitchell, I mean, he won our PCM, but he placed seventh in the Brownlow, which is a bloody good effort for a team that hasn't always performed that well this year. Just imagine if Hawthorne gets up and going, is Tom Mitchell in the frame for another Brownlow? I mean, when you're performing that well in that kind of side, that augurs well. Yeah, so uh, 25 votes off seven wins. I think only the little fella from Carlton, Sam Walsh, had more. 30 votes off eight wins. So hugely undervalued by a lot of supporters, but apparently the umpires get this right every time. (laughs) I think that flows nicely into our miscellaneous listener questions and the first one (laughs) here from Lauren uh, at Hook Talk Pod. Hit us up on Twitter. Did Lauren, thoughts on how the Brownlow works and the fact that it's basically a midfielder's award. It's something we've all known for a long time, but Lauren adds, uh, Bond got three votes in a game where he had the most clangers recorded. And bringing it back to Hawthorne, players like Hardwick and Howe in, say, the Sydney and Doggies games were snubbed for votes. Yeah, what really shocks me, honestly, is I know that a lot of backmen look like automatons. And, you know, they get the ball and then they pitch it round, they hit their targets, everything. I can understand why that doesn't get a lot of votes. I can also understand why negating roles don't get a lot of votes. But the absence of votes for forwards, I really struggle with. (laughs) Well, you mean the blokes who uh, put it through the big sticks and win the game? Yeah, and (laughs) actually, you know, provide the impetus for... it's It's an emotional lift for the rest of the side. Yeah. Yeah, no, 36 votes for wines, which I think equaled Dustin Martin, it in two seasons that are not comparable. Uh, you know, there needs to be a rethink. Either they don't give the umps the stats, they're not allowed to have the stats at the end of the game. I don't know if they're being impacted by that. but The, the umpires have a feel for the game, like the players do. Just go and feel it. At the end of the game, walk off and go, yeah, I reckon this bloke was good today. I reckon that would make a difference if they just did it on intuition, on instinct. They'd probably just do it on contest one. That must be the mental calculation. Yeah, but that's a problem because there's a great number of contests that feature the same blokes time after time in stoppages. Exactly. That, but that must be what it is mentally. No. 
Contest one. That's that's what they vote with. I guess so. Uh, there's also nothing particularly... Well, may, maybe there is with the Fords, but there's nothing sexy about defenders and what they do. They are kind of automaton-like. They are disciplined and they have their set systems in play and there's nothing that uh, silky and exciting about that. But when it comes to midfielders and extracting the footy, you, you see some great stuff. And same as Fords, you see some mercurial stuff that's electrifying. But uh, it is a midfielder's award, sadly. I, I do think Lauren makes a good point. There's a lot of players that were due recognition, but uh, they're not going to get it in the Brownlow count. So Anyway, so there is one stat that Hawthorne outstrips one of the grand finalists. They are second on the ladder for this stat. Melbourne is 15th. The Western Bulldogs are 10th. What does Hawthorne do so much better than both the grand finalist sides? Only Sydney are better at this. Shot at goal accuracy. Yeah, you're right, yeah. The Demons and the Bulldogs aren't necessarily too good at that. To me, finishing where we finished, that is some heavy papering over the cracks right there. (laughs) It's quite incredible, isn't it? I would not have expected that. That's a good stat. Well done. It'd be interesting (laughs) if it comes back to haunt either of these sides on Saturday. Yeah, big occasion, big game. However... The Western Bulldogs are number one for scores per inside 50. Melbourne are fourth and Hawthorne are 16th. <laughs> See, that doesn't shock me. When we do get a shot, we kick the goal, but we don't get a shot all that often. <laughs> ah, it's all a work in progress. Just chipping away at it. We're finding the immaculate statue that is the Hawthorne Football Club as we chisel and chisel away. Uh, i got this next question here from Greg at Hawk Talk Pod. Can you see us being active in player acquisition via trade or do you suspect it will be predominantly draft? I know where I stand on this. Tiz, what do you reckon? Mainly draft, but if we can get a young, fit, forward-come-wingman, would be very good for the brand. You know, Caden Brand was delisted. Was he? But I know you're talking about a different brand. Brander than brand. <laughs> Brander than brand, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he might yet come back to Victoria. Yeah, well, these are, this is all just scuttlebutt and getting a little bit bit excited about some player movement. But Hawthorne won't be moving heaven and earth for this kind of stuff. Maybe a pick if someone comes calling and has the right offer. But um, I think I think Mitchell's looking for stability, some building blocks with which to work around and then... Next year, if he needs to, would be rolling the dice. Yeah, I don't anticipate it being a, a terribly interesting trade period as far as Hawthorne is concerned. Draft is where it's at. I think that's where you're going to get the bulk of the excitement. Jared Brander, yeah, as you say, might be on the radar, but look, I'm not, not banking on anything like that. Uh, maybe we'll trade picks. Who knows? We heard from Richard at Hawk Talk Pod. Do you think it's worth bundling our two second round picks, 21 and 25, to try and get another pick in the top 10? I feel like Hawthorne would be entertaining these options, would be exploring them. I don't know how seriously they are, but um, these are the these are sort of the manoeuvres you've got to think about. Top 10 pick with 21, 25, I'd, I'd do that. Yeah, I'd probably do that as well. We heard from Mark. Love your work. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thoughts on the draft and what talent level will be available for our top pick? Well, this is where I wouldn't mind having two picks inside the top 10 because there's some good midfield talent in there. And that's where I'd be. That's what I'd be focusing on, and I'm, and also just I'm a little bit concerned that we're not going to get access to the kinds of players that I, I'd like to see end up at the club. I think we they might just be pinched before we could get to them. Uh, look, if we get Sonsi with a late pick or something, because he he may be overlooked. And you got to remember, there's a lot of good players that have been overlooked the last couple of years. So 
don't be surprised to see Hawthorne just take those later picks and pull some rabbits out of the hat. And uh, Andy Collins has already done it once, and we've got some very good eyes for footballing talent. Will Day is testament to that. Yeah, yeah, that's that was that's extraordinary. That still stuns me, to to be honest. The uh, the Twiglet having that much talent at football is the rid- Twiglet. Well, I mean, he's still tiny. Oh no, that is just what a nickname. <laughs> oh well, you know, he's a twig, but even less. And <laughs> I christened the Twiglet. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyway. <laughs> well, look, you're right. He, he needs to stack on the muscle and the, you know, get a, a bigger body on him. But I mean, how many games has he played? Because because we haven't seen like nearly enough of him yet. But we already know he's going to be incredible. So that's that's something to look forward to. This question from Toilet Duck: How many mentions of Clarko in the next twelve months? Speculating on where he'll be. In uh, 2023, I presume, here from Toilet Duck. Uh, closest million, if you please. You can stop listening to all this now. Clarko, if he's going to coach an AFL club at the end of 2022, it's Port Adelaide, 100%. Yeah, you've been floating this for a while. Uh, you, you mentioned this, I think, it wasn't last podcast, maybe even the one before. You're pretty certain on this. Kenny ain't getting it done. No, he isn't. He really isn't. What a capitulation that was. He had no answers. Admittedly, I've got no answers. And he got a Brownlow medalist in the team now. Looks worse. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That makes it even worse. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. That was a more shocking loss than the the way the Geelong-Melbourne one played out. You're like, okay, well, Melbourne's running right now. But there was a bit of like a preamble to it. With the dog's power, the dogs just came out and just put it to bed immediately. It was brutal. It was like tissue paper. The defence of Port Adelaide. It was awful. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, uh, yeah, look, Clarko officially earlier this week basically rebuffed Carlton again for the upteenth time. And Who are they left with? Does anybody want that job? Because I could fake up a CV. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, it'll probably be announced as people are listening to this by the time we put it out, but Michael Voss apparently is going to score the job. I think he deserves another opportunity. And, uh, yeah. Uh, good on Carlton. They went through how many candidates to get their man? Oh, so awkward. Wow. Hawkman 1993 at Hawk Talk Pod hit us up. Uh, one of the questions I raised in a Zoom meeting with Chris Newman was, how do you fit 11 to 12 defenders next year into six spots if everyone is available? A very good response. It seems Will Day, Bramble, and maybe in people spend some time up the ground. What are your thoughts on that, Tiz? That's exactly what I want to see. That's what I wanted to see for a long time. Defend everywhere and attack. <laughs> well, as I said, I think there's going to be a massive emphasis on that uh, surging attack forward. And The thing about those three guys, though, is speed. Yep, and I expect that will be our strategy again. When it comes to the draft, we'll have that in mind. I absolutely anticipate that it'll be one of the key attributes we'll see across each guy that we pick. Tripper97, which young fringe player is most likely going to have a breakout season next year? Seamus Mitchell. Tyler Brockman. Well, I mean, all right, fine. <laughs> but I feel like he's already, he's already half broken out. Oh, like, okay. You know all I mean? right, fair enough. In that case, it's hard to argue against Seamus Mitchell. No, 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 it's fine. Tyler, no, you can have Tyler Brockman. Yeah, he could, he could do anything, to be honest. He's one of those players. 
But uh, I'm very excited for Seamus Mitchell. Coming at 2022 he... with a preseason. Fingers crossed, touch wood, all that stuff. <laughs> Hopefully. And so will Bramble. Bramble will have a preseason in him. My, my. Gee whiz. Wowee. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Hold it back. No wowee? You draw the line at wowee? Gee, who do, who do we get as a commentary team? Dennis Cometti's come back for it. Yeah, but for Triple M. So you're going to have to mute the TV and chuck the radio on. Oh, well, no one mentioned that. <laughs> and by radio, I mean probably stream it. What's all this uh, free-to-air bullshit? When did this start happening? I can't I can't stream it on KO. I can't stream it on anything now. I missed the Brownlow, thank goodness. But uh... The only thing I was interested in about the Brownlow was Timmy, Timmy's mark. And such a letdown. The third best mark won. Jack Rewald's mark was better than that. Yeah, I like... I could understand if Jack, going back with the flight, straight head on into a pack, beat Timmy. But not the other one. Oh, well, another one for the almost archives for Timmy. This question from Peter here. Uh, As I'm sure you know, Melbourne Storm are offering a 2022 membership to all 2020 and 2021 paid members. Would, should, could Hawthorne do the same thing? Or is an Adidas voucher enough recognition? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they've got to do something. You've got to start rewarding loyalty at times like this. You really do, because we haven't got anywhere near a sniff out of value for our membership the last couple of years. That is the lot of a supporter, though. That is, you know, good supporters will stump up when the going is really tough. But to not even get the entertainment value out of it is pretty rough. You can't go with your mates... All that kind of stuff. But here's the big asterisk that we're kind of overlooking here. Yeah, they'll stump up the money when the going gets tough. But the going's tough because we're in a pandemic. So it's not just tough on the club. The club's not in a whole, out of any sort of broader context. Like, it's hard on people. It's hard on the members who have to afford this stuff. And when they're, when they're still affording it, but they're not getting value, to, value for money over like a long period of time... Yeah, they, they might drop off. So you've got to find ways to reward them or reward them properly. When I saw this thing about Melbourne Storm, my first thought was, can they afford that? Like, how is that going to work? And yeah, it made me question whether Hawthorne could do such a thing. But look, I'm not holding my breath, mate. Not, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get my membership free next year. Put it that way. No, probably not. I have been impressed with you know i mean it's just digital access but they did pull their finger out with a bit of that stuff didn't they gave us a bit more there they've done what they could really their hands have been tied a lot of the time but you know at times like this even a reduction in the fees is significant for people yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. Melbourne Storm have set the bar awfully high for other organisations, other sporting clubs, because um, that's that's huge. That's going to be huge for people. So, look, I, I'm not, as I said, not holding my breath waiting for Hawthorne to match it, but it is interesting to contemplate what they can do for the members because, uh, as you say, it's been a long time since we've gotten true value for money. It's not their doing. It's not their fault. It just is how it is. Oh, this is something for the Dare to Be Different committee. Absolutely. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that committee. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> this one from Leon here. Not so much a question. It's more of a little contribution that I liked his. I thought I'd include. Leon said, I'm excited about next year. As the dust settles, I think changing to Sam now is the right decision. And I'm grateful we have a captain capable of driving an outcome that is best for the team. I cannot wait to see what Sam, Ben, and the new coaches can do with this team. Go Hawks. Yeah, for all the stuff we had to go through to get here, 
the anguish at losing the talent of Clarkson. Um, there is some enthusiasm to see what can be done from here. Oh, I've, I've said it for a long time. I did imagine, I, I wanted Sam Mitchell to be the next coach, but the circumstances surrounding it are regrettable. I didn't want it to play out like that, although it was an absolute shambles. Uh, but, you know, we're here now. We're in it. I'm liking what's happening with the club. I'm liking the, the new acquisitions, the coaching coaching panel. I'm excited for the draft. Uh, you know, similarly to Leon, I'm feeling pretty good about the club at this stage. Do you know, I'd take a free haircut. Oh, really? Yeah. By one of the players? Don't really care. Maybe they could do the first couple of snips and then get a professional. That That's just my ego speaking. What about you get one of the delisted boys to do it? Get cut by someone who was cut. That is atrocious. That'll get you on the front bar, though. <laughs> <laughs> really? They're not going to install me in marketing for the HFC? <laughs> I just thought to myself, who are the pretty boys at Hawthorne at the moment? Who would, like, really look after their hair? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Well, they all get their hair, hair done um, when they're going to play a final or a big game. or it's, it's fascinating to watch. It's how they telegraph their inclusion these days. You see someone like Mitchie Lewis going for a haircut on a Thursday. It's like, oh, okay, well, he's in. He's in the side. Send us your thoughts. What, what out-of-the-box thing would you like from the club? Oh, by the way, Nick... About um, quarter past nine this morning, apparently, uh, the groundbreaking happened down at Dingley. Oh, very good. There he is. What, about 50 minutes in? (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay that. I enjoyed it. How are we going to be there in 2020? What was it again? 2023. Jeff Jeff said that we're going to be there for 2023. Into bountables, no less. I don't know what specifically he's referring to that the club's going to be there. Is it going to be a working bee or what are we talking about? (laughs) Dear, oh dear. Uh, Look, mate, we're here for the grand final preview. Uh, Obviously, Hawthorne not competing, but we're going to talk about the game anyway because it is the game of the season. You can't not talk about it. Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs at Optus Stadium Saturday night. What are your thoughts, mate? Uh, My thoughts are Melbourne can't lose this one, Nick. Um, If you look across... Every line that, you know, I think every Melbourne player makes it into that Western Bulldogs lineup. Uh, this is their best chance in a very, very long time. And uh, if they can't get it done, if they can't get it done, they really, uh, I don't know how long it'll take them. Now, I know for a fact that a few of your mates support Melbourne and you would have been absolutely insufferable to them this week. No. I've been very supportive, outwardly, outwardly supportive. <laughs> well, give, give me an example. Give me a, a taste of like the kinds of things that you've said to, I don't know, offer them support, calm their nerves in this weird time. Can you name the Western Bulldogs Ruckman? No. And that's why you're going to win. In fact, you can do that with any position on the field. They will not know the opposition player's name. So you're good. <laughs> And and that's what uh, the supporters of competing teams want to hear in the lead-up to a grand final is, you're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone takes comfort in hearing that. It's not a question of, are you going to win? It's by how much, how far. (laughs) Oh, such a prick. (laughs) Your mates would hate you for this, but I love it. It's amusing to me. Legitimately, though, is Melbourne your tip? Well, my head says Melbourne. Yeah. Your head says Melbourne. I know your heart says the Bulldogs because you don't want anything to do with Melbourne winning. 
Um, I'd be the same. I'm on the same page with that one. I, I just, I do feel like it's Melbourne's to lose. I just, I just hope they go full junkyard dog, just nut Salem or something. He's the, he's the only one in the Melbourne team that can kick. Uh, <laughs> the rest of them, oh, they got shocking kick skills. So just take him out. They'll take Caleb Daniel out as a result, but you know, excellent. That'll be well. So it basically turns into chess. Hello. <laughs> 2004 is calling. We've been playing chess, but with blokes that don't play chess for at least 20 years. Look, it should be a good game. It should be a good game. I just can't see Melbourne... If Melbourne lose, it'll be because they lost it. That's what I'm imagining. If Melbourne lose, it'll be because the small forwards ran May and Lever ragged. That's the only way it happens. And... Melbourne are deservedly favourites on the lineup, and the fact that Gorn has had a, a lap prelim was ridiculous. So let's hope for a close, contested Melbourne flag loss. <laughs> what about you, Nick? What are you, what are you hoping for? Oh, of course, I, I want the same. I want it to be close and contested. I want it to be very entertaining for everyone, but I want Melbourne to lose. So I don't think they will. I want them to. Let's hear your norm recommendation. Uh, Clayton Oliver. That's a pretty safe pick. I confess that's a bit of a cop-out. Gorn obviously suggests himself. If Melbourne win, he'll have a huge impact on that game. So, ooh, I'd love one of those out-of-the-box ones. You know, someone just turns up, kicks five off six possessions or something. I'll tell you this right now, Pickett's kicking three at least. Ooh, well, he'll have them up and about. It's all over then. Can't let that happen. Yeah, oh no, if that happens, they probably win. There's a there's a lot that probably dictates the outcome, and that is one of them. Uh, I reckon Waitman does bugger all. Come on, mate. That was one of the greatest performances in a final that I have. For an opposition side, I applauded that no end. That was thoroughly enjoyable. And then Rocco had his online meltdown. You can FRO, mate. <laughs> it's become a bit of an online catchphrase for Rocco. <laughs> Ah, uh, Rofro. <laughs> Rofro, jeez. All right, on that note, we better start wrapping things up. So definitively, we're, we're hoping the Bulldogs, Melbourne, will probably get it done, though. I think we're unified in that. Send Dr. A forward. You know it's good. <laughs> you know it works. Uh, we've hit 300 ratings over on Apple Podcasts, mate. I don't know, don't know if you realise that, but uh, people have taken the time out of their day to tell us how much they enjoy our show and... Look, that just means the world to us. It is really so lovely to read the reviews that are up there. We have another another five-star review, actually. This one from uh, Xavier Frost, 38. Essential listening for Hawks fans. I've listened to Nick and Tiz since 2018. Haven't missed an episode. The boys take a look at the good and the bad each week with great analysis and discussion with, of course, some sprinkled banter. Recommended for all Hawks fans. Terribly nice from Xavier there. Oh, it's been excellent. The interactions with our listeners and, and, and people on Twitter throughout this uh, pandemic has been terrific for me. Um, a real pick-me-up. And, and I know that they've had pick-me-ups from it as well. So it's been good having the community there. And at the start of this year, we were talking about meeting up with a lot of people at the games, but uh, that is held off till next year. <laughs> That's postponed. That's on ice for now. But look, you're so right. The community around this podcast that we do, it, it just cannot emphasize enough how much it means to us and how much it contributes to our enjoyment of Hawthorne and the game. And uh, again, our experience of lockdown, like 
we'd like we would hope that we've sort of given you entertainment and helped you through this time wherever you are and uh you've certainly helped us especially over on twitter that's our social media headquarters at hawk talk pod is where you want to go so close so close to three thousand followers now and we'd love to reach that milestone before the final siren this saturday i think that'd be a great way to end things so jump on join the community get involved it's a great time especially when we have hawk talk back the uh the twitter space that we do hawk talk back and it's uncut isn't it? Because uh, there's no filter. <laughs> it's good fun, isn't it? We, like, we love hearing from listeners as well, taking their questions and comments and good times, good banter. Uh, you can also find us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. Join the family over there on Facebook. And uh, we're on Instagram. We have merch available over on redbubble.com. Simply search Hawk Talk Podcast. And this is the big one for us. If you really love the show, you can support it over on Patreon become a subscriber uh there's all sorts of subscription tiers there for you so you can sign up to whichever suits you and uh tiz now that we're into the off season a bit more incentive to get on board because uh we're going to be putting out some bonus eps to tide people over between our regular uploads so if you'd like to support us and uh get that sweet sweet bonus content uh all the details are at patreon.com slash hawk talk pod yeah no the off season will be fun there's a lot of new storylines and there's a lot of new promise about the club bit of a note to end on here i thought about this how would end the show this week and being that it is grand final week what's your favorite hawthorne grand final personally 2008 yeah why so well first one i really enjoyed uh magnificent day magnificent seats the phenomenon of cyril uh buddy full flight beating the old enemy you couldn't have had much better i don't think yeah, look, 2008 Grand Final, that was the game for me too. It's That was my first one, first ever Grand Final I'd been to. Did not expect that we'd win, you know, just nerves all day, feeling sick with nerves. Getting to that third quarter, boy, oh boy, it's just haven't really seen anything like that since. It's It was just insane. Stewie Dew and some of the little cameo efforts to, to get that win uh incredible and then to go from there you know after celebrating heartily you look at the times oh yeah that's right i've got tickets to see bill bailey uh british comedian bill bailey over at hamer hall so head across there and that 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 caps off a brilliant day then you head out to glen ferry the next day i remember at the time i was working at baker's delight and uh one jeffrey kennett came in he was after some uh round white rolls i got to serve jeff kennett we, you know, a little bit of banter about the day before, and I said I'll see him at Glen Ferry, and of course I went down to Glen Ferry. It's just clearly I'm just luxuriating in it. That was, that was a wonderful day down at Glen Ferry too, when the minibus rolled up to the Burundara Sports Centre, and uh, all the boys got out with their sunglasses on and staggered towards the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a throng of people too. There were plenty of people turned up just to enjoy it and um yeah being the first but of course if you if you're talking about the club and which premiership is the best which one do you pick there the pure footy folklore of 1989 i i just can't see i mean i i was one year old (laughs) i mean so i it's not going to have quite the same personal impact on me but even i can see objectively it's really hard to go past and you can watch it back and you understand I would like to think not only as a Hawthorne supporter, but as just a footy fan, regardless of who you support, you can watch that game and go, bloody hell, what a contest. It's it's one of the famous grand finals, if not the best one 
for a reason. A lot of it is to do with the fact that Hawthorne just couldn't go back to back for so long that they totally refused to capitulate that day. And that's what you see in the, uh, well, I mean, the criminal assaults, a lot of them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that, that's what you see in the, the unwillingness to give it up. And there's some amazing players and amazing moments, but... Uh, I have to go back to your words earlier. It's it's the first one, and the first one that set it, that set it up, the hill they had to climb to get to a point where they when they got into finals was ridiculous, and then to actually win it, just brilliant. And they set the tone. We still need to revisit that one, 1961, where you know you gave me this book to study, and it's got the complete with the DVD. We're going to get to it. This is the kind of bonus content that we're that we're talking about. We should just hit record on that one because it's 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 great fun. And if you haven't watched it, watch it before the before the game on Saturday. You won't know many of the names, you won't know many of the backstories, but you can you can see what it means to some of the players. And we lost a couple of uh, sixty-one premiership players this year, and uh, it's a good time to recall their efforts in, in setting up the structure of this club. Now, I want to say 2008 being my personal favourite, it it beat out narrowly 2014 because I, I just don't think I've seen a more perfect win, a more perfect performance from Hawthorne. And when, when Langford kicks that goal, it's party time. Nothing can go wrong for a team that's doing that. And everyone knew it in standing room, you know, where, where me and the mob were. We all knew it was done. We just we just celebrate. The blood's new as well, which just made it all the more delicious. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times, and we'll have them back, Tiz. We'll be back there soon enough. For now, though, we're going to settle in, and we're going to watch Melbourne take on the Western Bulldogs at Optus Stadium this Saturday night, and then we get into the next fun thing: the off season, well and truly in full swing. Then looking at the uh, the trade period, the draft. All Hawthorne's little manoeuvres to set up that next tilt. It's going to be exciting. We're going to be there with you here on the Hawk Talk podcast. We'll catch you real soon. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.